Point of view is one of the trickiest parts of writing a novel. I think that's because it kind of seems easy and straightforward at first, but it actually has layers to it that are subtle and a bit hard to tease apart all on your own. It's also something that you absolutely need to master in order to write a novel that captures the attention of readers and agents. That's why today I want to share with you the four essential layers of POV that will take your writing to the next level. Hello, and welcome to the Mini Worlds Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Davis. I'm a book coach, a developmental editor, and a fellow storyteller. And this is the show that's all about how to brainstorm, write, edit, publish, and sell a powerful speculative fiction novel, and maybe just change the world too. A few weeks ago, a writer emailed me with a question about POV. This writer had been struggling because she sent her manuscript off to agents and she was getting full requests, which was fantastic. That meant she'd written a killer query and her premise was solid. Unfortunately, those full requests quickly turned to rejections. Luckily, one kind agent helped her out. That agent said, and I quote, The POV in your novel isn't strong enough to deeply connect readers to your protagonist. Spend some time working on it. Good luck. And even though this writer was rightfully disappointed, that's actually pretty awesome and powerful information to have. So when this writer came to me asking how to improve POV, I knew exactly the skills she needed to work on to make her protagonist shine and to make her novel the best version of itself. Okay, but before we actually jump into the four layers of POV, let's just take a moment to define what POV even is. So POV is the point of view or the perspective from which the novel is told. And I personally cannot think of another thing that so greatly affects the tone and mood and flavor of the novel that you're going to write. Which means as you listen to this podcast and you start to make decisions about what kind of POV you want to use in your novel, I don't want you to rush into anything. I want you to give yourself some time to really think about it and consider your options, consider all the benefits and drawbacks of each type of POV decision that you make so that when you're writing or revising your novel, you really have chosen the POV with great care. Okay, that's my disclaimer. Now let's jump in. Layer number one, perspective. The most obvious aspect of POV is the choice of perspective. You can choose between telling your tale in first person, second person, third-person limited, or third-person omniscient. When you choose between these storytelling modes, you're essentially choosing the flavor of your novel and how you'll present it to the reader. And choosing the right perspective for your novel is vital because it pulls together every other element of your prose. Let's take a closer look at this top-level POV. A first-person narrative is when the writer chooses to let the protagonist tell their story directly to the reader using I pronouns. This is a very, very popular mode of storytelling these days because it's easy for the writer to let the reader have a deeper and more intimate relationship with the protagonist. We see it a lot in YA fiction, but it's also popping up more and more in adult fiction too. This perspective has several advantages that are all highly related. Number one, it allows a very deep and emotionally transparent type of storytelling that engages readers because the protagonist is usually emotionally raw and unguarded as they tell their story. 
Two, it often leads to more complex and relatable protagonists because it's easier for writers to more naturally explore their protagonists' thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Three, it allows immediacy. There's just something so powerful and urgent about telling a story in the first person. Readers just want to lean in and hear more. Four, it allows you to develop a strong narrative voice for your protagonist because it's easy to write from their unique perspective. Some great examples of first-person narratives include The Hunger Games series by Suzanne Collins, which is one of my personal favorites, and Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. A second-person narrative is when a writer chooses to make the reader enter the story as a character. In a second-person narrative, the writer uses the pronoun you. Now, this type of story isn't very popular because it can be tricky to do well. However, in the hands of a master storyteller, it can be riveting. This perspective has two distinct advantages. Number one, it brings the reader closer to the story and really places them in the action. Because the writer uses the pronouns you, the reader automatically feels directly involved in the events as they unfold which can create a unique and immersive experience. Number two, the use of the pronoun you raises questions about who the reader is within the story. This can create a sense of mystery and intrigue as the reader is prompted to consider their own identity in relation to the events and characters in the narrative. A great example of a second-person narrative is the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. I absolutely love this series. A third-person narrative is probably the most familiar to most readers. In a third-person narrative, the writer tells the story using the pronouns he, she, and they. This mode of storytelling has two additional caveats. The writer can choose to use third-person limited or third-person omniscient. When the writer chooses the third-person limited perspective, they tell the tale from the perspective of only one character at a time. Anything that that particular character wouldn't personally know or understand is off limits during their scene or chapter. This is the most popular storytelling mode because it offers a lot of flexibility, such as the ability to have multiple characters tell the tale. But it still has clear boundaries that help contain it and set the rules for what's allowed and what's not allowed. This perspective has two distinct advantages. One, it allows the writer to easily have multiple perspectives in a novel, and that might be really appealing if the reader needs to know more information than a single protagonist could share with them. Two, it allows the writer to strategically hide things from the reader. For example, if there's a nugget of information that the character knows, but the reader shouldn't know just yet because it's going to be a big surprise later on, there's flexibility around using a bit of emotional distance from that character to hold back the information for a while. I caution you, though, use this advantage with the utmost care. It's almost always more interesting for readers to have inside information because it builds tension and suspense and makes readers hungry to know what's going to happen next. A great example of a third-person limited narrative is Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. Okay, let's move on to the third-person omniscient perspective. When a writer chooses the third-person omniscient perspective, they make a conscious decision not to limit themselves to the perspective of one character in a scene. 
Instead, they strategically bounce between two or three or more perspectives as they write. It works something like this. Every few sentences or paragraphs, the writer moves from the perspective of one character to the perspective of another character. It's not random, though. They're always writing from the perspective of the character whose reaction or opinion is most relevant and important to the story in that particular moment. This perspective has one distinct advantage. It allows a comprehensive view of the story. It really offers a bird's eye view of the whole narrative, allowing the writer to explore the thoughts and feelings of everyone in the scene. And this can be very powerful if the novel revolves around characters misunderstanding each other or around characters purposefully misleading each other. Here's the problem, though. Many new writers think that this narrative mode is most appealing because they can literally sink down into any character's perspective whenever they need to and let the reader in on any secret that might serve the story. The truth is, this narrative mode is the hardest to master because it's so easy to accidentally start head-hopping instead of using this perspective correctly. And nothing kills a reader's interest more than head-hopping, so beware. In fact, even though every story and every writer is different, I would suggest not using the third-person omniscient perspective for your first or even your second novel. If you really want to use it, wait until you've fully mastered the easier perspectives first. Even though it's not a speculative fiction novel, my very favorite example of a third-person omniscient narrative is Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. All right, let's talk about layer number two, the emotional distance of the perspective. The emotional distance refers to how close the reader is to the thoughts and feelings of the protagonist. In older novels, which were typically written from the third-person limited or the third-person omniscient perspective, there's usually a great deal of emotional distance. And the reader feels more like they're watching the protagonist through the lens of a video camera rather than having access to their thoughts and feelings. However, in modern novels, distant narrators whose thoughts we don't understand are essentially out. <laughs> Readers just don't want to see the protagonist through the lens of a camera anymore. They want to sink down into the protagonist and essentially see the world through their eyes. It's a totally different and more intimate experience, and it allows the reader to understand why the protagonist behaves the way they behave, which is something humans are always fascinated by. The question, of course, becomes how close should the POV be? Well, here's a simple answer to that, as close as possible. Modern readers love and gobble up books with a close POV. They want to see the world in an entirely new way, the way only a distinct and idiosyncratic and quirky protagonist can show them. So don't be afraid to let your protagonist run wild and be their perfectly imperfect self. Readers will absolutely love every second of it. The closer, the better, especially in speculative fiction, where your protagonist gets to live in a world with special rules that readers want to fully experience. All right, layer number three, the distance of time. Essentially, you need to ask yourself, where does the protagonist stand in time relative to the events of the story? Okay, this might seem like a fairly trivial matter when planning a novel, 
but it controls so much about how the story is told. Because how we tell our story actually depends on when we tell our story. Imagine this. A protagonist is in a car accident and the car is totaled. An EMT pulls them from the wreckage and keeps them calm as the ambulance speeds towards the hospital. If a writer chooses to have their protagonist experience these events as they unfold, maybe the story is told in the present tense because that would add urgency and uncertainty and more of a raw emotional state. And because of these narrative choices, the reader knows that absolutely anything can happen because the protagonist hasn't lived through the story yet. It's all unfolding in real time. However, if the writer chooses to have the protagonist standing some 20 years in the future, the protagonist has had a lot of time to reflect on how those events shaped the story to come. In this version of the story, it's written in the past tense, and the protagonist has the special ability to hint at things to come to build interest. For example, they might confide something like, I didn't know it then, but meeting that EMT altered the course of my life and eventually led to the murder of my sister. Wow, that's something they could never know if they were experiencing it in real time. Meaning the writer could choose to have the protagonist stand at the future in order to be able to tease the reader and step up their desire to know what's going to happen next. So here's the thing. There's no right or wrong place for the protagonist to stand in time. Only the one that best serves the story you want to tell. Layer number four, the interiority of the protagonist. Lots of authors and editors are talking about interiority these days, but what exactly is it? Well, it's a facet of POV. The easiest way to explain interiority is to say that it's literally the interior world of your protagonist. It's the unique eccentric person that they are on full display. Flaws and foibles galore. Interiority is how your protagonist sees the world and makes sense of it given their unique backstory. It's their personality traits, their worldview, their likes and dislikes and unpopular opinions. It's how they rationalize the decisions they make. Let me give you a great example of POV in one of my favorite new novels, Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. This novel fits into the magical realism subgenre of speculative fiction, and it's about a man named Wallace Price who dies and has to come to terms with the fact that he never really lived his life in the first place. Since I'm going to be reading you the very opening scene of the novel, I don't think you need much more context than that. Okay, this is going to require me getting my glasses on. Patricia was crying. Wallace Price hated it when people cried. Little tears, big tears, full-on, body-racking sobs. It didn't matter. Tears were pointless. She was only delaying the inevitable. How did you know, she said, her cheeks wet as she reached for the Kleenex box on his desk. She didn't see him grimacing. It was probably for the best. How could I not, he said. He folded his hands on his oak desk, his arboraston chair squeaking as he settled in for what he was sure was going to be a case of most unfortunate histrionics all while trying to keep from grimacing at the stench of bleach and Windex. One of the night staff must have spilled something in his office, the scent thick and cloying. He made a mental note to send out a memo to remind everyone that he had a sensitive nose and that he couldn't be expected to work in such conditions. It was positively barbaric. What can we tell about the POV Clune is using in this novel? 
Well, we can actually tell a lot, right? He's using the third-person limited perspective. It's definitely an emotionally close perspective because we're privy to Wallace's unabashed thoughts and feelings. As for where Wallace is standing in time, it seems like he's experiencing the events of the novel as the reader is reading them, which means he hasn't had time to reflect on the deep meaning of the events because he's living them in real time. Finally, let's talk about interiority. Wow, that's where this POV really shines. Notice how nothing is neutral to Wallace. His personality and opinions are all over every single line, and that ignites the prose and makes them so interesting, even if Wallace is a bit of a curmudgeon. I mean, just listen to the words he uses. Hates, pointless, histrionics, grimacing, stench, barbaric. We really get a sense of who this guy is and how he feels. I think you get the point. By using all four essential layers of POV correctly, you'll be able to invite readers into your novel and keep them turning pages. Okay, writers, if you're interested in learning more about POV and how to enhance the four layers of it in your novel, I've created a really helpful workbook for you that you can access at manyworldswriting.com forward slash POV, or you can just click on the link in the show notes. Either way, I hope this episode was very helpful to you. Anyway, I hope that this episode was helpful to you. And if it was, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to the show and share it with a writer friend. Those are the easiest things that you can do to show your support and to let me know that you're interested in hearing more. Until next time, keep writing, keep dreaming, and remember, the world needs your stories right now. So don't you dare give up on your novel or yourself. See you next time.